What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart, and I'm joined with Glenn Cook. Hello again. Today, we are doing an episode on our year that was in dog training. Yeah, it's just a wrap-up of the year. What we did, what we saw, who was out here that we managed to catch up to, what events were on, and anything exciting that happened through the year. Yeah, it was a pretty good year for dog work. Yeah, we we had a good time for sure. We did. I did. I know you did. (laughs) I did. We may as well just kick straight into it. So the first and most ridiculous thing that I did through the year was bringing out Barbell and to train dogs in 48 degree heat in January, which was difficult to say the least. Yeah, a couple of guys were pretty... It was hard. It was hard. It was, so that was the only time we had available. That was the that was the window we had. But so we had who would know, huh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we had three or four days of between forty and forty eight degrees. Yeah, but I think the location that you guys chose when you were doing it was quite yeah it was, suitable for it because it was uh, it was like ten degrees bit. cooler in there. Yeah, and and it was fine. We got through it. Just if we didn't have that indoor arena, we would have cooked. It would have mm. been impossible. It would actually make for some really good training in a lot of ways. You had to be very efficient in the way that you're training your dog because you only got a small window of opportunity in each session. Mm. And we learned some amazing things about the implication of like the heat to your dog. Like we sort of infer a little bit of our own whininess onto the dogs because my little puppy was there and they did not care. We had three puppies from that litter there and they were the best performers in the in the worst heat, the most fragile little bodies because there was no scars with the heat. It was their first time and they, they just worked through any difficulty there was. So that was pretty interesting. Um, well, it is interesting. I think one of the things about that is that you find where some of your weaknesses are. Oh, yeah. And you can work towards them. And having someone like Bart there to coach you through that rather than saying, well, you know, it's not working because. Mm. And you pointed that out well before. I see a lot of people who try and find a selection of excuses to say why things can't happen and why they can't make progress with their dog. And it is, it's that inference of your own setbacks and you're thinking, well, you know, it won't do it. The dog's just looking at it saying, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I'm happy to. We, we actually just had- push the right buttons. In the, the Nipopo school, there's always a, a really good example that Bart uses about a dog will hold his water, his food bowl, stainless steel bowl, hold it dead still in his mouth when he's hungry and he's telling you he wants to eat. And then later when you try and teach him to hold a dumbbell, he's chewing all over the place and can't hold anything still in his mouth. Mm. We actually had the perfect example during that first week that he was here where the three little puppies were fighting over a, a water bottle that had been out in the sun all day. So you can imagine how hot that water is, but it was a thing and they wanted it. So they're fighting over it, they're scrapping, and then one of them gets it and he runs. It was Mayhem who went to America and he runs up an ant's nest because so, it was the highest ground. That's where he wanted to stand there with his trophy and he holds this water bottle and he's a – at that point, I think nine-week-old puppy, mm. nine or ten-week-old puppy, you know, who would weigh a couple of kilos at most, 
holding 500 grams of water, dead solid in his mouth with his trophy. He punctured it while he was holding it. So now he's got hot water streaming all over him and ants crawling all over his legs. And he stood there triumphantly in a perfect hold because he chose to do that. No one was teaching him. We're still at that point, like earlier that day, trying to go, here, hold this. This is part of the the program. We're still going to teach him to hold. And he proved to us right there and then under the most difficult of circumstances, he, he could and would happily hold something rock solid in his mouth. It's actually remarkable when you look at some of the behaviours dogs are happy to do without human intervention, things that they will endure, yet we mollycoddle them so much during our training practices. Yeah, totally. Mm. Um, It's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, just this morning, my dog just broke his tooth. We're about to take him to the vet. He didn't care one bit. I'm sitting here panicking. I know you're shattered over it. I'm terrified. And the dog's not, hasn't even bat an eyelid, and yet he's still willing to do the same behavior that caused him to shatter his tooth. Yeah. I actually had to check his mouth really carefully because I could tell by the way he impacted the the pipe that something wasn't right. And Mm. I was like, hmm. But he was just retrieved the pipe like it was nothing. It was a little funny, but also disheartening for Pat because- just when he arrived this morning, he got here early to do the podcast and he said, I think it's going to be an expensive morning for me. It is. Yeah. And as soon as I look at it, I thought, yeah, it's, oh. I said, a veterinary dentist needs to see that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, that's dogs. Yeah, him. It's not that he's not the last dog that's going to break a canine or, you know, fracture tooth or, or cause all those problems. I mean, dogs are their own worst enemy sometimes. Exactly. The, the injuries they cause to themselves, it's remarkable. And that's one of those points. It's often... Not to say that I think that's a good part of training at all, but dogs will endure quite a lot. It's us that often panics over them. Yeah. And in that end as well, it's that good husbandry of taking care of your dog and noting, oh, he's injured himself. Now Mm. I need to be aware of that, keep those signals because with a tough, strong dog, he may not even, he may not give you any sign at all, uh, become so stoic that he just works through it and continues to injure himself, which certainly is the case with mine. Um, So we'll, we'll be on a training blackout for a little while. See how bad it is when we get back. Well, hopefully it's not as bad as we. Yeah, hopefully they just said it. It should be fine. So back um, to back to the Bart thing. Yeah. So you guys got to go to the original seminar, which I thought I was going to miss out on, simply mm-hmm. because of the time of year it was, being January and you know working in a boarding kennel environment. It's a tough time of year, and I thought, well, I'm out for that. Mm. And fortunately, and thank you to you because you actually got me straight into the next course, which was at the um, army base. Yeah. So he came out for three weeks. We did a week of the gold school for the civilians that were, had previously done it. Then we did another week of a, a silver school just for police and military, and then another week of the gold school mm. for what was meant to be just police and military, but we were, because you were able to get to that, we were able to get you on there. So that was pretty good. It was great. It was, it was a bittersweet thing because I was uh, looking forward to doing the school with the guys that I started Silver with. They're friends of mine, people Mm. I've known for a long time. However, that can be a blessing and a curse sometimes because sometimes you're not concentrating on the things that you should be. I found that the gold school that we did at the military base part was a lot tougher on people, yeah. which was also an interesting thing. Yeah. For me, it was probably a better application in all honesty. Yeah, it's just more how you're into training your dogs and took you out of your comfort zone a little bit as well. Yeah, he was pretty tough and pretty serious, but he needed to be. Exactly, that's the life. Hmm. So that's January. Um, that was January. Not much other happened in January that we were part of because what sort of crazy person would want to train drugs in 48 degree heat? Exactly. After that, we had uh, Mike Suttle come in, Andrew Well, Dar- Mike was in April, but uh, in March is when what I want to talk about. Oh, well, March. That was okay. probably the next event that I had anything to do with was when Lauren brought down Tammy and Sharonica for their first seminar together, which is now running multiple times since mm. and doing really well. And isn't that feedback. great that we've got some Australian talent 
Love uh, it. That we can refer people to. And they're actually making such headway. They're really progressive uh, ladies. We're talking about their IPO club uh, last week. Yeah, that's uh, right. In the yeah. seminar. Uh, sorry, in the, um, the uh, podcast. podcast. And yeah, they've done really well for themselves. They're very keen, very focused, very disciplined. I think that was probably the word I was searching for in amongst my yeah. wordplay is that they're very disciplined people, love what they're doing. They have a natural infectious talent. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone that's gone to their seminars has come back with glowing reviews. So yeah, exactly. Good on you girls. You've so, done a great job. You should be very proud of yourselves. Being, uh, like I said, Australian talent that you've actually brought into the country, we're proud of you as well. So I bought my ticket, was happy to go there in March and then made it for, because I had Rip with me, made it for lunchtime of both days. <laughs> so, so that's all I got to, to be there for. I'm pretty pissed off about but that's life. I'm happy that I got to support them. So then on to Mike, who came back to Australia in, in April. There was a reason I missed the Tammy and Sharonica seminar. I can't remember what it was. I think I might have been on holidays or... Yeah, I don't know. There was a reason that I didn't go. I did not go because I didn't want to go. I couldn't go for some reason. Yeah, I Just don't know. not sure what it was. I don't know. Must be some, there was definitely something because we were talking about it beforehand. We were talking about it and I, you said, are you going? And I said, I can't because I think I was in overseas uh, mm. and you said well I'm definitely going to try and go which we thought was fantastic yeah mm. and as I say I was on dad duty so I was only there for parts of it but if you can go to local talent and learn something from it all the better for you yeah well the girls are still running those all over the place uh, mm. I think the next one actually I know they're going to be in Melbourne early next year so check that out they're going to be at Pro Dog yeah, I think they're in Tassie at, or just been to Tassie so. yeah mm. yeah so check them out. Talk mm. in contact with them. Absolutely. Okay. So then April, Mike Suttle came back to Australia. Yeah. Andrew Dar brought Mike Suttle back in again and always fantastic to learn from Mike. Very impressive watching his skill in working his Skinner box. Mm-hmm. Anyone who hasn't been to a Mike Suttle seminar for either protection work or developing better skills in your bite work with your dog or for doing detection-based work, I think you've got rocks in your head. If you can make it to additional or any other seminar that comes out in the future with Mike, please do yourself a favor, come out and watch because this is a guy that's very dedicated, not only just in the work that he's doing, but also in his puppy raising as well. Yeah. It's a very, very good seminar. Mm. He runs over three days. He did that last time in Australia as well, didn't he? Three days. Yeah. Because he's covering so much on bite work development and detection work as well that it's really two days isn't enough to cover any of the what well, it's only enough to scratch the surface really of, of the stuff that he's doing even the three days you'd love to go for more and more and more and we're lucky andrew had puppies as well so you get to see the imprinting of puppies first like actual first session mm. training which i love to see it pisses me off when people say oh look this is how you train a first session when the dog clearly knows what it's doing but when it really is a puppy straight out of the box and you get to see the odor recognition and that sort of thing straight off the bat, which is excellent. That's real getting, that's how you learn. That's how you really see what's going on. What well, is how you learn. And are you hundred percent right with what you were saying before? There's a lot of times where I see people turn up to a seminar and the dogs that they're bringing are well-trained dogs. Yeah. And it's, it's no offense to anybody who, who does that because they're very dedicated people. They love their work. They're very passionate people, but you're not seeing true development of the dog. Yeah, you're just seeing a finished product. You're seeing, well, you're seeing sharpening of the blade sort of thing. You're, you're not seeing the creation of the blade. Yeah, yeah. In those seminars where, like, like I said, we were lucky with when Bart was here, we had fresh puppies to, mm. to use on the course. And when Mike was here, Andrew had the same uh, fresh puppies that we can actually see real imprinting, real development. Yeah, first, first session. So that was good. Mike did amazing three days. 
The other thing in April was Bob Bailey was in Australia, but neither of us, it wasn't really well advertised and not too many people knew about it. And it wasn't, I don't know why it was over when we heard about it. I think I heard about it a week prior to it coming out. And by the time I had inquired about it, I believe all the tickets had sold. So it was very underwhelming advertising. However, I guess the people who knew about it knew about it from the groups it was advertised in. So it wasn't widely advertised. Yeah. Even uh, Mike himself, he was accepted into a um, one of Bob's final um, classes. Yeah, final classes, or Workshop. it was like an appraisal group for learned colleagues. And I think that. Mike was saying, if you can go to a Bob Bailey workshop, you should have gone. And yeah. I said, I would love to. You know, I really would have because he's one of Skinner's last students. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So for people that listening don't know who Bob Bailey is, he was actually new and worked with Skinner, mm. the original behavioralist. BF Skinner. Yeah. Then in May, I went to America to do my dick concert, which we spoke about in the last episode in uh, the podcast. That was a big step for me and a big kick in the ass. Mm. But passed and came back. And I came back just in time to miss, but you were here for Josh Moran. Josh Moran again, um, which was his second time around. Love having Josh here. Very entertaining guy. Brilliant with his uh, socialization. Very, very good for people who are looking into running a daycare or any sort of social atmosphere. Josh's communication skills with dogs, understanding what's about to happen and peering into the future of behavior, especially while dogs are amalgamating with each other. Brilliant. Just loved it. So that was the focus, right, of the seminar was about socialization, group socialization? Yeah, it was more based in the social atmosphere of introducing dogs to each other. Right. Developing that harmonious attitude and keeping dogs active and busy, giving them something to do rather than focusing on each other, but teaching people rather than watching it about to happen, predict that it could happen and keep the dog active and interested. The philosophy is, if I was to summarize it, idle hands are the devil's tools. Mm. And that's pretty much the principle that you look at it when you're, when you're doing the session with Josh is that a lot of times when people are bored themselves, they're thinking, what can I do? Especially for kids, kids get up to a lot of mischief when they're bored. Dogs do a lot of the same th- sort of thing. If they're not active, there's no engagement there or there's no shepherd to guide the flock. The dog is looking around for other type of behavior. So if it's not engaged in a behavior, then it's focused on something else, which is often the reason why a lot of problems happen in daycare situations. Some of the best people that I've ever seen in behavior myself are not actual trainers. They're not people who are focused and dedicated trainers. They're actual people who are working in daycare. Oh, 100%. They're watching, focusing all the time. In fact, I would dare say, and I'd be bold enough, after all the travel that I've been doing, going to America, spending time over there, which I'm going to talk about shortly anyway, but well, we might as well talk about it now. We've our crew, Dave, myself, and some of our managers, we often go over to their pet boarding and daycare seminar run by Barclay Productions. Mm-hmm. And while we're over there, we travel around to different locations. So you did that. That was in May as well, right? That, Just after Josh. That was, was in here. May, yeah. Yeah. It was the last time that, or well, the very first time that Josh ever arrived, he pretty much touched down. And I was, he did one day of the seminar, which I got to go to, and he was staying at my place. And I said, but I'm leaving tomorrow to go to America. We really didn't get to rub shoulders all that much. We kept in contact and chatted here and there because we actually found that we got along very mm-hmm. well. But it was quite unfortunate that we uh, sort of were ships in the night at that stage. Fortunately, Mel Sweeney brought him out the second time. She was kind enough to liaise with me and say, are you going back over again? I said, yes. So we worked out a date that was going to work out that uh, nice. I could spend time with Josh, which was very kind of her to do. 
While we were over there in the States, we got to look at different daycare facilities. Some were absolutely brilliant. Some were like they are here. They need a little bit of room for improvement. Mm -hmm. However, one of the points that I did notice about well-running daycare centres is the staff that are working there really understand how to keep dogs moving. Yeah how to keep peace in that group and what to do if they can see a, a situation evolving. There's a wonderful group over there, a couple of ladies that are running a company called the Dog Gurus. If you are into daycare at all, you should do their online course. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Robin Bennett, I think the lady's name is, they are really clued on. They've spent a lot of time studying, working in, formulating ideas and improving situations for daycare operators. If you're not doing it, you've got rocks in your head. Yeah, right. What's involved in the course? It's a focus group on developing your skills in understanding, again, similar to what Josh is doing, focusing on the application of daycare, how to manage your staff, how to interview people, how to ensure that when you've got a dog in daycare that you're not just taking dogs in simply to fill the the place up, but you're interviewing carefully, that when you're doing any integration or socialization with that large amount of dogs that are coming into a small area that you're creating a harmonious environment. Mm. Teaching the staff how to look for things, how to manage behavior, how to isolate dogs that are being a problem and what to say to people when they have got a problem dog. Yeah, right. Brilliant. Little known fact, when I was still in the army and thinking about uh, what, what was I going to do when I got out, I, we spoke about sort of in, in the episode where we spoke about me that I worked with Lauren for a while. How I met Lauren was that I also worked at Scruffy's mm. in Manly, in Brookvale there for a month to sort of see what that industry was like, just to get an idea of what actually happened there. And I was struck. I could not believe how good all their staff are at reading animal behavior, reading dog behavior. None and they're of them, not dog trainers. No, none of them are trainers. That Lauren's their in-house trainer. They refer everything to her. Mm. But they're just, you know, what do they call, I guess, a attendant, a kennel attendant, their daycare attendants. Yeah, what, daycare operator. Unbelievably good at reading a dog. Very like, Better than a lot of trainers I see and can see a dog fight coming a mile away and able to intervene before it happens. And mm. they're not trained in this. I think that they're just, they're selected for the ability to do it. And then from being there and the way that they know, because they get a lot of dogs in that place, right? The way that they know, oh, he, these two can't be together. They're not friends. It's fine if they're in this one. They can be together if this dog's in there with them and just knowing all they that. They have a very acute attention to detail on behavior. Unbelievable. Mm. And and I was struck by how well they could read a dog in better than, you know, one of the things we have in working dog is in working dog areas is people misreading dogs and not understanding mm. aggression and fear and, and the difference or why they're coming out and- these guys all over it could see read dogs' behaviour unbelievably well from experience. Aggression and fear is one of those anomalous areas that people often misdiagnose. Generally, when I'm speaking to NDTF students in particular, it's one of those things I say to them, look, just before you start going out there and advising people on those areas, really study the craft. Mm. Start with the basics and work your way up to it because this is something that causes an incredible impact and it is incredibly significant because it can mean the life or death of the animal. Totally. hundred percent. Mm. Cool. Then that was May. You went over there. Josh was here. Then Josh you was went here. To the States. Yeah. yeah. We went in May. Yeah. It was yeah. in May. Yeah. And then so, uh, what else did you do there? Uh, so we primarily went to the conference, the pet boarding daycare conference, which if you're in boarding kennels training or daycare, it's a brilliant seminar to go to. They do two a year. So they do one in May and one in November. So the one in May is usually in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. 
in Burbank, California. The other one is in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I think next year or this coming year that's about to tick over, we're looking at going to the Hershey one. It's a bigger event. Plus, we have never been to that side of the States before. So. Yeah, right. Cool. And you took your staff last year as well, right? We did. Yeah, we took a couple of the managers over and gave them experience to see or just for them to give them an eye opener of American customer service. Mm-hmm. And to show them what some of the facilities look like so they can get a first-hand look themselves and be a part of that education. Mm -hmm. Was there anything striking that you brought back? The customer service. Yeah. I think that's one of the things where America has got it all over Australia is the way that they communicate and their treatment of people in service-related roles. They've really mastered the art of it, looking Mm -hmm. after people well. All right. So then we were all into June and June is when we had the series of PSA events in Australia, Mm. trial, training, decoy certification. We did a whole episode on that last time. So we probably don't need to dive too much into that other than to say huge thank you to Sean and Janet Edwards for coming out. You know, like all these people that we talk about doing their seminars, they're professional seminar givers. They get paid to do that. Sean and Janet are both professional dog trainers, but they come here to help spread the sport and can't thank you enough for doing that. We had an awesome time and and learned a lot and got some great work into our dogs with them here. Yeah. For them, it's more about, it's a break even sort of thing. It's not, it's not based on profit. It's based on love of the sport. Yeah, that's right. It's just to spread the game and help people get better at it, Mm. which is so altruistic. And again, guys, thanks very much. I know hopefully Sean's listening. Thank you. He does. (laughs) He says he does. He says he does. (laughs) Well, I know his daughter dances to the intro intro music. music. Yeah. Mm. We've seen proof. And uh, we're watching her smack herself in the head with a little baby drone on those videos (laughs) on her Christmas present. So then in July, Tyler Mudo. Tyler Mudo, yeah. That was Tyler's first time in Australia. Brent and Kat brought him out. And Tyler, Josh, Forrest, all of those guys are part of the Lieberg family. Mm -hmm. Professional dog trainers in their own right. Tyler runs a company over in Buffalo called the Canine Connection. And I've found Tyler to be an incredibly insightful person, Mm -hmm. very well educated. In fact, I think academically, he's one of the brightest people I've met in training for a long time. Yeah, right. Mm. People like him, Steve Lindsay, Boyd Hooper, they would be interesting people to sit in a room together. Mm Mm-hmm. I wasn't at the seminar. I didn't get to go. Uh, what's Tyler's back? I, I did meet Tyler. We did a training day sort of um, on the Tuesday when we normally train. What's Tyler's background? Where was he trained? How does he fit into it? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to ask him again. We'll have to get him on one day. I think. We'll definitely have to get him on. I'm sure he'll be back in Australia. He's just had a young child. So I think it was an addition to his family. I'm not sure if it's his first or second child, but I know that at the time where he came over, there was another uh, one of his children in the in the mix. Mm-hmm. So I believe that he's going to take a little bit of a sabbatical for a while from seminars and traveling, so mm-hmm. he can he can focus on sticking around home and yeah, good ra- call. Yeah, being a father and raising his child, which I commend, and I think that's yeah, pretty unselfish thing to do. Exactly, it's a good call. But so- I loved having him here. The seminar was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was one of the largest ones we've ever had in Dural. Yeah. And he went down to Melbourne too. Again, the numbers look great. Uh, yeah. I saw the pictures that Brent and Kat sent up and great feedback. Yeah. Great philosophy, great education from what he was passing on to people. How many people did you have here? It was like 70 something. I think into the 80s. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it was huge. It was and a big it, seminar. Great feedback, everyone. Great feedback. It. People loved it. They related to him very well. And Tyler has a great way of communicating with people on a easy level mm-hmm. where it's not going over people's heads. Yeah, perfect. Mm. 
Tyler's also the current president of the IACP. He is. So that's my segue into, he was here in July, but then it was in September that you went over to America. Yeah, first time over. I'd been wanting to go over to have a look at the IACP for a while. I remember looking at some photos, Alex Edwards from Australia, he's down in Melbourne. He went to the one that they had in LA Mm -hmm. and I spoke to Josh about it. And Josh kept saying to me, man, you really need to come over. It's a fantastic event. You'll love it. You'll meet some really cool people. Spoke to Tyler about it as well, about the IACP. And I said, look, I'm thinking about coming over. He said, you totally should. I think it was at that time Brent and Kat were on the cusp of going over themselves and they mm-hmm. just bit the bullet and said, yeah, look, we, we're pretty interested in doing it as well. So it was a done deal. We ended up heading over and absolutely loved it. Had a great time over there. If you're involved in canine education, if you are looking to network and you're looking to expand your knowledge, I can't recommend it highly enough. I'm 99% sure that I'm heading back over to Florida next year to go to the next seminar. Yeah, awesome. But I think you are. Well, we'll see. We'll see. What, we'll, see what, we'll see if it works out, lines up. Yeah. But so tell us about what is the ISCP conference? How long does it go for? It's, what happens there? It's the International Association of Canine Professionals. It's about a four-day event. This year was in St. Louis. First time for me to travel to St. Louis. I went over there on my own, met Josh Moran over there. So I pretty much bunked with Josh for the time I was over there. Mm-hmm. Met another guy over there called Justin Hall who runs a franchise in Atlanta called Dog Wizard. Fantastic guy. I loved him. So the three of us were like peas in a pod. We just had the same sense of humor, got along well. We partied at night and um, spent time during the day attending the seminars. Mm -hmm. And the seminars were brilliant. People like Chad Macken, um, who I think you're looking at. Bring, yeah, bring yeah, we'll talk about that year. at the end. I'll yep. give the uh, Chad was there. I think Jay Jack was there. They were doing their own podcast that they run. Mm-hmm. What's it called? The Canine Can Conversations. Canine Conversations, yep. So they were there. They did a live podcast in the foyer of the hotel. One of the things I did really find impressive was how many dogs were allowed to come and stay in the hotel mm-hmm. and the level of control that people had. I mean, they were advised at the start, you need to keep your dogs under control. You need to pick up after your dogs, clean up after your dogs because the hotel's been kind enough. There was no fuss about it. There Mm -hmm. were dogs everywhere and they were in the seminars, they were in the rooms, they were walking around the foyer and not an eyelid was battered. People didn't look at it like it was odd or weird or or anything. It was terrific. That's so different from in Australia. I noticed the same thing when I was at the PSA Nationals. All the competitors are staying in the same hotel Mm -hmm. and it was nothing. And it was a fancy hotel. It wasn't it wasn't like it was a, a motel and you were just sort of had your own door to the car park. Like mm. people, dogs coming through the foyer up through, it was a, one of the, the Hilton in Texas and it was like nothing I'd ever seen. It's so That would be so foreign in Australia to think that you can keep a dog in your hotel room. And these were not like little fluffies either. These are the dogs there to compete at the Protection Sports Association National Championships, like some some badass dogs walking through the hotel. No one bats an eyelid, no one minds. It's not a problem. And there were no problems. That was the shocking thing about it. There was nothing that went wrong that would make me think, oh, well, dogs in a hotel is a bad idea. Mm. Yeah, it was an amazing thing to see. And I was very impressed with how everybody managed their dogs over there. I didn't see any dog fights, didn't see any nonsense going on. And I saw lovely control with the dogs. Yeah, Nice, calm, well-adjusted, well-behaved dogs. And uh, a lot of them were wearing training collars. Yeah, right. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's America. It's America. So was there any special permissions? Did you or could anyone take their dog for whatever reason? I believe that you were supposed to notify staff that you were attending with a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's all on the form. So when right. you go on the website, International Association of Canine Professionals, fill out the form. It asks you a list of questions. So if you're going over, have a look. 
cool. Mm. So that was September. And then also in, in – Oh, what? It, sorry, going back to that, one of the highlights for that for me, which a bit of a nerd moment, was meeting Ed Frawley from Leeberg. Oh, yeah. So I got to get drunk with Ed, Brent. Cat. He's your close personal best friend. He's my now. close personal best friend, just like Bart is yours. <laughs> so, not only did I meet Ed, but I also met Jeff, who's his son. Yep. Um, who's, I, th- I guess he'll be the successor in Leeberg after mm. Ed decides to throw it in. But I don't think he's in danger of doing that at the moment. He's really on fire, Ed. Viral. Viral, yeah. And do you get any tips? Where's Leeberg headed in the future? Anything exciting going on? What were they doing there? What was their purpose there? Because that would um, go every year, right? It was No, I, I don't think they've been there for quite a while. And I think that Josh and Ed had spoken and coerced them to come back and they thought it was a great idea. So they were they pretty much had a stand in the... Thing like an auditorium? Trade show. Right. Yeah, trade show sort of areas. So they had a trade show and Leeberg was there. They had all their videos, their toys, T-shirts, Leeberg products. Mm-hmm. So I brought a stack of T-shirts and brought them back. I think I gave you one. And Yes, my, I've got the aggressive salmon coloured one. Aggressive salmon one. Aggressive yeah, I brought salmon. Dave one. I've got one myself. So that they've got them in the 80s colours, the pinks, the blues, the greens. Yep. So, They're actually a really good T-shirt. I'm they have a, really wanted, good T-shirts. I want to talk about where they got those because I want some t- new T-shirts. So, Ed, if you're listening, hopefully you are. Love you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> love you. <laughs> Kidding. Well, I like you a lot. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you are listening and you've got your – I can edit that, Ed, anyway. <laughs> the, <laughs> so if you are listening, Ed, those T-shirts, the quality of those T-shirts are fantastic. We want to know where you got them. Because we want Canine Paradigm we T-shirts. We want Canine Paradigm T-shirts, absolutely. So while you were in the States is when Birdie had her first bravery workshop here mm. in Australia, which is why you missed out that time. And oh, let me, sorry, sorry, just before you go back to Birdie, <laughs> a couple of other people I met in the States too, which I have to give them a, a mention, was uh, Duke Ferguson. Oh, yeah. So he's uh, unleashed potential. He's got a franchise over there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got in Canada and the USA. Hung out with him quite a bit. Got drunk Duke's one him. of the original students of Bart as well. Yeah, he is. Bart's place to do his, his school. But I got along great with Duke. I actually had some great conversations with him. I pretty much met him on day one when we were sort of having a drink after the seminar mm-hmm. and uh, met him and uh, another guy called Evan Doggett and <laughs> they're great guys. They so really- what's Evan's deal? Evan is a franchise owner of Unleashed Potential. Right, okay, so he works with or for Duke. He works, yeah, he works for Duke. He, I think he has one of the franchises over in Canada. Mm-hmm. And what I did like watching their, uh, Duke's uh, quite a religious guy. They would get up in the morning, do yoga together, pray together, hang out and talk. They were a really tight knit unit. That's good. It was really nice to see how well they got along well as a, well, how well they got along as a group. It was absolutely fantastic. It nice. was a testament to the business practices that he's running that his people have such high regard for him. I enjoyed the company. I had lunches with them, hung out with them, had lots of laughs with them. They're funny guys, mm-hmm. you know, guys and girls. Yeah, I don't know Duke very well at all, really. I've spoken to him a couple of times online, nothing serious, but he seems like a really straight up and down sort of guy. He's a straight up and down guy. He's very passionate about connecting the world, mm-hmm. uh, especially in relation of remote trainers. Yeah. I think that the, he's got a, a Facebook page where he's trying to bring attention to some of the myths and dispel some of those myths around it. It needs a bit of work, like everything does. It needs yeah. it needs the support and it needs some people getting behind it. He's trying to establish that, but you know what people are like, they're a little apathetic about getting anything going. and I think one of the uh, suggestions on our Facebook page was to do an episode about remote trainers. Eventually, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we definitely, definitely want to cover off on that and talk about their use, where they're legal in Australia, 
uh, why they are, why they're not, and um, fears and phobias. Yeah, and explain maybe a little bit of the judicious use of a, an e-collar. Mm. But that's another episode. Judicious. Judicious. Yes. Nice. So while you're in America, Birdie was doing her first bravery workshop here in Australia. Mm-hmm. That was September which again was at Scruffy's and we've done a whole episode on that. So we don't need to dive into that too much, but uh, that was congratulations, Bertie. There's lots of great feedback. And uh, great feedback from Bertie on the show too. Yeah. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Made having anyone else on difficult. We, <laughs> we immediately set the bar very high. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of that, we, we do have plans in the very near future to have uh, our next guest. Um, if you listen to our intro and it says the odd Randy guest, hopefully that's who we're going to tick off. <laughs> fit into that box. <laughs> okay, so then coming into October, uh, you went down to Melbourne to give a seminar. A friend of mine I've known for many, many years, a guy called Greg Bobbin. He's a very instrumental part of the German Chep Dog Club and has been for many years. Big supporter in all canine-related events around German Chep Dog Club. Mm-hmm. So Greg rang me up and he's asked me for quite a few years to come and run a seminar down there. In fact, without sounding egotistical, there's been quite a lot of groups that have said to me, when are you coming back? When are you going to run some sort of workshop? The time just hasn't been right, but it was this time. And I hadn't wanted to not do one. It was just that I'm being so busy with pet resorts and everything that we've been doing up here, just seminars and sessions and Mm -hmm. all sorts of life problems that, well, not problems, but just things got in the way. So Greg rang me and he said, mate, let's nut a date out and work out a time where we can get you to come down and do a a session in Melbourne. I said, it's a good time of year. It's actually a great time. Let's go ahead and do it. So that was in October. I said, well, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, aggression. I said, okay, sure. We'd been talking about it, I think, since June or July that year. Greg said to me, can we put it on TBS and promote it around a little bit? I said, sure. Unfortunately, I had to promote myself because Greg didn't know how to how to use uh, Facebook properly to get it going. So I put it on there and about two weeks out of the conference, Greg rings me and says, uh, so you're ready? I said, yeah. And he said, oh, by the way, we've got 140 people coming. Wow. And I said, I thought he said 40. I actually thought he said 40. I said, oh, okay, cool. Happy with that. Good turnout. Yeah. Well, I thought 40 was good. And uh, so I said, uh, so 40 people are coming. He said, no. 140. He said, it's sold out. There's no more seats. We're knocking people back. Mate, to be honest, I was very overwhelmed that amount of people wanted to turn up to it. Immediately made me think, is this going to be good enough Mm -hmm. for 140 people, especially because a lot of them were trainers coming down to see me. It was a great honor. I was very enthusiastic to go down there. I guess the best way to describe it is I tried to make it holistic and involve everything from starting with a puppy right through to progressiveness in older dogs. Mm -hmm. Doing an aggression seminar in one day is not something that – it's something you could fill a week with almost, you know, discussing aggression. Easily. I don't know if you've heard me talk about it before in podcasts. Maybe I've said it at some stage, but I often call aggression the onion. Many layers and usually getting to the middle will make you cry at some stage. Yeah. So it's my analogy for aggression-related workshops. Is one of the things that I made sure that people were aware of is aggression is a very, very complex attribute, not to be taken lightly. Yeah. I guess was the message. Yeah. Why don't you have one of these in, I'm going to just sting this on you. Why don't we have one of those in Sydney? Why? I plan to. Good. This coming year, I'm planning to do one. Yeah. Look, there's demand for it. A lot of people have asked me for it. I yeah. did some mentoring sessions at one stage in Dural where I did it for NDTF students only. Mm-hmm. And quite a few people rang me and messaged me and said, hey, why the exclusivity to students? And I just said, well, it's primarily for me, it was a, 
a way of kicking things off where they could progress on from what they'd actually done in the course to, yep. to give them something additional to do. But people have said to me, just because I haven't done NDTF, why am I being penalised or why am I being prevented from coming to a workshop? I said, well, look, good point. Fair enough. Next year, 2018, I think at some stage you and I will probably do some seminars. You might do your own or collectively or mm-hmm. whatever. But at some stage we are still looking at running a balance symposium seminar. Yeah, balance so symposium workshop. Workshop, yeah. So there'll be some guest instructors, maybe over a two or three day event. And there's already a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of people that want to get behind that as well. Yeah. The issue is because we, when you first sort of brought that up, there's going to be multiple people there. It's getting, this is the hardest part of organizing any seminar is just getting the people in the same place at the right time. That's the, that's the killer. It always is. Yeah. So that'll happen at some point. We'll just have to figure it out. Mm. Um, That's been an idea that we've been throwing around way back in 2016, I think. Yeah. So we were going to have one back then, but just with the people that were coming out at the time, it's almost seemed impossible to try and find a date that was going to suit everybody. Yeah. The tricky part with having any seminars is, you know, people work on the weekends. It's hard for me to get to anything on the weekends as well. And mm. a lot of people who have real job through the week, they do their dog training on the weekends. And so then they're giving up that weekend to run in their dog training business to go and learn more, which is necessary. You have to do that every now and again, but doing it all the time gets really problematic. It does. But yeah, we'll look forward to that. So then in October when you were doing that, we had Bart back in Australia. He was in Melbourne as well for that period. We ran another silver and gold school, Mm. which went exceptionally well. And that was down with Vic Pole? Vic Pole, yeah. Mm. Yep. So it was the silver, it was at Vic Pole. The silver was open to everyone Mm -hmm. and the the gold was just police and military guys, which was good. But we had a a couple of civilians turn up to that as well to just to, because they were in the right uh, discipline. So it made sense for them to come to that. And you got to hang out with Denshi again? Yeah, down there for a couple of weeks with Michelle Dan. She's um, yep. awesome. Yeah, we all love Michelle. Yeah, hmm. um, she did really well on the goal school, really prepping her dog amazingly. She's one of those people who've just got talent in training dogs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And a good person as well. She's a great person. Yeah, got a lot of time for Michelle. That brings us to October when we then started doing this, we started getting this together. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast series is we have been trying to get this off the air for yeah. ages. Like we actually sat down did some recording, looked at it, didn't like it, left it for a bit of time, came back to it again, waited to, we had a different name, we had a different everything. So we finally bit the bullet and said, let's do it. Mm. It's got to happen. Recorded a bunch of episodes with no microphones. Oh, how dumb was that? Like even the first episode we did, you listen to that now compared to when we've actually set it up properly, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah. So we got everything going. That's really it for our year. I know there's lots of things probably happen around dogs that we don't know about and that were important to other people, but that's sort of our wrap up of what we saw. Other things that we know happen. I wanted to congratulate Tammy on getting her IPO3 this year. I think mm. that's really worth it. And Veronica for getting her IPO1. Yep. She's been at it for a while and had some disappointing times with trying to get it, but finally she went through and just kept proceeding to yeah, be amazing. So well done, girls. Yeah. Both um, of you. The Mondio guys had a trial a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations to them. That was up in Gold Coast. So that that's happening now. It's really going ahead. And Adam did his like a decoy cert up there. I'm not sure what that involved, but I know that he yeah, passed. Yeah, I think so um, Daniel did too. He went overseas and yeah, Daniel went overseas and did one like in New Caledonia or somewhere. I think mm. or in America. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think it was New Caledonia. Yeah. Uh, but so they've run one here now. Adam, little Adam Lido's got his certification. Good on you, boys. Well done. Yeah. So they had a trial and so they're officially going ahead. It's all mm. happening. So it's you know it's been a big year for dogs. Lots of lots going on and people moving forward, which is fantastic. 
if you are listening to this about us talking about the wrap-up of the year, in our Facebook page, why don't you tell us about your year as well? Yeah. Anything that was significant that you thought we should have mentioned or that should have known or that you know of that's been an impact of the year, definitely let us know. Your own milestones as well, like your aha moments in training. Oh, yeah. Which that's I actually a good podcast topic. Yeah, there should be. Aha There's moments. Aha moments in training, which I have like mm. every two minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see what's happening. I was actually uh, speaking to Jason Furman the other day. Oh, yeah. He was suggesting at some stage, he loves the show. He's a big fan. He mm-hmm. keeps saying you should be doing it every day. He wants daily three-hour episodes. Yeah, good on you, Jace. We're not Joe Rogan. Yeah, that's right. Yet. <laughs> but what he did suggest was at some stage having someone on the show that is a newbie in the industry, mm-hmm. that is just starting out. So at some stage next year, we will be interviewing somebody who's kicking off their career mm-hmm. and talking to them. Might be fun to track someone a little bit as well. Yeah. So get them in regularly and see where they're at. That's a great idea. Mm. I do like that. Big year for us. People I want to mention personally is um, Sam as always, you know, it's we're recording today just after Christmas. It's uh, He gave me my dog for Christmas. It's a, it's a big reminder that I've nearly broken a couple of times. Mm. <laughs> I love that dog, love that guy. Brent and Kat always so like in the industry in Australia, I think are pillars of- Instrumental. Yeah, but pillars of positivity. You can always count on those guys for a, mm. a pep up, just even just looking at what they're doing and seeing how happy they are and what they do it. I think that's fantastic. They're terrific people and they're constantly on this personal pilgrimage of developing themselves. I know they're doing a lot of Anthony Robbins seminars, mm-hmm. which you can see the impact it's having on them. Yeah, for sure. But they're just that type of person themselves. Yeah. Genuine, thoughtful, and I love both of them. They're terrific friends of mine. Yeah. Andrew Clark, who was really helpful in when we had brought the PSA stuff out and mm. getting that into like corrections and, and getting people that I didn't have access to and he helped us get, get them involved. Yeah, which he's a very – we're getting Andrew on the show at some stage. Our first Randy guest. Oh, he is the first Randy <laughs> guest. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, get, we are definitely going to get Andrew on the show at some stage to talk about his career in the canine industry because he's had quite a fascinating one. Andrew's not what I would call uh, – he isn't somebody with a big ego. No, not at all. But he's a very experienced guy and a great friend also. Yeah. And very supportive of the industry. Yeah, 100%. Mm. So, yeah, there's probably lots of people that I should thank but haven't. Neville Bennett? Neville, yeah, definitely. Yeah. As a training partner, we do a lot of training dogs together. You can always count on Neville and, like, turn up, even if he's just crashed his motorbike and has two broken ankles to to waddle in or broken Unbelievable, isn't it? There's a lot of people who talk about it and any excuse not to come to training, Neville will come with, Broken fingers, broken legs. Yeah, nothing you know, slows him down. Nothing, nothing slows him down. Also a fantastic support mechanism. Yeah. In everything that Neville's doing, he's always, his heart is always in helping other people. Yeah. And Nev, you really have been a great friend and a great colleague in the industry. I really want to thank you for everything that you've been doing for not just us, but for a lot of other people. There's a lot of work that you do in the Rottweiler Club, in any clubs that you're involved in or any activities where you are very cohesive, you're part of the glue, wouldn't happen without your input and your work. And I know a lot of people feel that way. You may not get that appreciation shown to you, but I think it's well overdue. So thank you so much, mate. Definitely. Mm. Anyone else? Oh, Scotty, yeah. Yep, Scott Ward. Well, we, we sort of only touched on a bit while I was listening to that PSA one, like, I don't think we highlighted how incredible it is that Scotty, who's never worked a dog in a suit before, certified as a PSA decoy. Mm. That is unbelievable. And again, just because he just 
just toughed it out, just muscled it out, listened to what he was told mm. and just caught the dogs exactly as he was meant to better than, well, just about everyone there having never done it. And like I said, it was, it was only because someone else couldn't turn up that he'd messaged me and I said, Oh mate, it's full. And he was like, Oh, okay, well, no worries. Well, I'm going to come. I'm going to be there anyway. And then someone else didn't turn up. I was like, yeah, you're, you're in, mm. you're in the game coach. And he passed unbelievably. Well, Scott and his wife, Tanil are both, avid supporters of any seminar. If there's a seminar going on, it's it's amazing, you know. It's one of my gripes, I guess, where there's a lot of people who are big promoters of themselves and mm-hmm. their businesses, yet I never see them at any personal development conferences or furthering their learning. Yet I just I do see a crowd that develops there uh, or turns up there, I should say, is probably more accurate. People like Scott and Tennille, Alyssa Rankin, Dallas, Lauren. Yeah. And there's a multitude, Brent and Kat, there's a multitude of them that are continually turning up and they're constantly working on their personal development. Yeah, evolving as trainers. Evolving as trainers and as people. My admiration for all of you guys, I keep telling people at the NDTF who ask me that question all the time, where to from here? If you're not doing these type of things, if you're not turning up and you're not working on your personal development, what are you doing? Mm. How can you best advise people if you're not keeping your information current? Mm. Well, it's that old sort of adamant that you if you're not going forward you're going backwards right well yeah you're just thinking the quicksand yeah yeah anyone else from you jazz yeah jazzy jazz pants yeah jazzy jazz pants who's been part of our crew she's been a fantastic person to have around very funny uh makes me laugh on a consistent basis but her even her personal development yeah she's um, had a big year and done had a big well. year and she's done well her she's become a female helper which I'm not trying to make it a highlighted thing, but it kind of is because there's yeah, not no. many of them out there. Not many around. And she'll jump in a suit and she'll take a bite from a dog. She is really making some progress. Yeah, she's getting actually really, really good at it. Yep. So, Jazz, you're another person that Pat and I have got a lot of admiration for your consistent improvement, both personally and professionally. Fantastic. Keep it up. Perfect. So that's the year. Next year's huge for events, just from even just my point of view, Bart's back in March. We'll have a PSA event with Sean again in June. I've got, uh, as I say, we've, they mentioned on their podcast, Jay Jack and Chad Mackin are coming out to do sort of a bit of a tour that mm. I'm, I'm hosting them. So that's going to be the first three weekends in May. We'll start in Sydney, then Brisbane, then Melbourne. Yep. Um, so I think the first weekend's five, six May. So then you can extrapolate after that. We'll be doing... They'll be doing their workshop and private lessons after that. And then the GRC events, which is Jay's new sport, hopefully we'll be able to do one of those in each city as well. So stay tuned for that. Once I get everything in line for that, I'll, we'll be putting out and selling tickets. We've also got Kabina Markanova coming out in uh, February. Yeah. So yeah. we've got her here. She's she's going to be doing a seminar in uh, – it's a midweek seminar. I know some people are going to find that difficult, but Tammy Peters keeps saying that Gabina's one of her instrumental coaches. Yeah, right. So if you're not – if you haven't got anything on during that time, I would highly recommend it. I've watched a lot of her videos online. The lady's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor. If you're looking to uh, advance your knowledge, come out and do the seminar. Perfect. So then what else? we got another PSA event in like end September, start of October. Mm. Uh, There's quite a few seminars coming up. Some heaps. I just can't talk about because they're still in development. In the pipeline. And, 
yeah, they're in the pipeline. They're either going to be here or they're going to be around. You and I are prolific in talking to people about what's coming up and just for professional or confidential reasons, I can't talk about them yet. Yeah. Simply because it's still being negotiated. It's not for any other reason. I'm not just trying to be a smart ass and say, I no, know. No, you and shouldn't you don't. talk about it until the deal's done. Correct. Yeah. Until the, the signature's been done and it's all been approved, then of course, the minute we know it's going to be advertised in the Bell Symposium or some other forum. Yeah. So that's it. It's been a big year. Hope to see a lot of you at these events. I guess at some stage we should thank our wives. Oh, yeah. Hmm. For putting up with all that bullshit. Putting up with us. I'm yeah. going out to Glen's to do a podcast. Well, the fact that my wife actually let me convert part of the house into a studio where we can do yeah. podcasts. That's great. And buy all the equipment and everything. So. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, thank you to you too, mate. No, thank you. Yeah. It's fun to do. Well, it's not only that, you know, I wanted to thank you for jumping in the suit week after week, taking hits from the dogs. It's been fantastic and it's a privilege for all of us. I don't want you to think that we just take it for granted that you drive often over an hour to be here. Mm-hmm. When you get here too, I know that there's been times where your back has been twinging and that you've been in personal pain. Yet rather than being a sissy, you, you know, <laughs> jump into the, the suit and you'll do round after round and get on with the job. So that's my you know, pleasure. I from love doing from it. all the PSA crew, but even the people that come here and benefit from what you've developed and learning and for what I've gained in my own dogs, it's much appreciated. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Mm. All right. Well, that's it from us. That's it for the year. Uh, if you know how to get in contact with us on Facebook, The Canine Paradigm. If you've got anything you want to pass on, any topics for next year, anything you think we should have on the show, please shoot us a message. We love hearing from people. That's it. We do love hearing from people and there's been some really good feedback. So keep it up. Talk to us at any stage. Like I said, we don't want to just sit here waffling into microphones for session after session. We've got something that you would suggest that we talk about. So people like Jason and a few other people are constantly giving us ideas. Those things are beneficial to the future of this show. Awesome. Cue the music. Music.